Welcome to Colors of the Dark. I'm your co-host, Rebecca McKendry, and with me is Elric Kane. How you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> There's a lot of air in between good and uh I know. Uh, there was there was some pause there. I felt the the um little like dot 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 meh. I do feel like there, I'm losing but... my mind a little bit, but that's okay from just being busy trying to do too many things right now. But in the same token, if we would you know we just did the interview portion prior and and that always gets me excited like you know sometimes I when you talk to cool people to it's always fun so that's a little tease for what's to come oh yeah we have a really good uh interview portion coming up with somebody that we've been trying to get on the show for a number of years now so it's pretty exciting um but uh we got some announcements up top so the big one being go vote in the fangoria chainsaw awards um they were announced last week it is definitely a way that you can have a say in what horror gets kind of um the most accolades this year and my daughter is nominated her short film um that she stars in meet friend is nominated um directed by the amazing izzy lee under the short film category so feel free to vote for meet friend which is now available on youtube Wait, are you so gonna make Google Marnie it. like the Andrea Riseborough problem of the Academies right now? Because you're <laughs> lobbying for her starting a grassroots campaign. She's my daughter. On the inside of a horror is show. I'm not sure if you're is allowed to do that. Is that it? Yeah, Fangoria's I think we can do that. I think you just I think shatter, I can do that. I don't know. Um, I just Riseborough I think you just Riseborough. I'm very sad that Riseborough has to go through that because she is such a great actress. She is such a so good it's kind of like, guys, it sucks every that, single... that it's yeah. her. I have seen so much hate on that this week. And I'm like, guys, just watch Mandy. Yeah, just Ma- watch. Mandy if you Possessor, question... just give her Oscars for those movies, please. Yes, so. L- literally. Like, you know, whatever Leslie one that she's nominated for right now, I'm sure it's awesome. She's actually excellent. The, the, stuff. the movie's a little, like, one note, like, addict story. It's pretty predictable and feel good. It's a decent movie, but she's excellent in it. But even then, not as excellent as Possessor. And Possessor's just, right? like, you know. Mandy. So. But you can vote for the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards by going to fangoria.com and you can vote there and they're also selling some really cool chainsaw award merch like there's t-shirts and stuff like that um so definitely head there vote for your favorite heart whatever it might be um and yeah so the other thing that i will definitely mention up top since i'm plugging shit i'm on a roll here is i announced a that I have a, a book series coming out last week, which I'm super excited about. Elric's been listening to me talk I about it. I know this. I know. <laughs> Why are you announcing I know to me. Is there anyone else here? <laughs> this is the wild thing I learned about the publishing um, world. Is man, we think it takes a long time to make a film. Like I always think, like you know, if I write something, it'll be like years before it gets made because I have to convince people to give me money, and then you know, ninety percent of the time, it never even happens. Um, so we, during the pandemic, sold a YA horror book series called Pretty Evil to Simon and & Schuster, and it didn't even get announced until we're basically done writing it because of contracts, and then they have to attach the artist, who is Tim fucking Seeley, um, which is amazing, hack slash just horror legend. Um, but yeah, so it's, Elric's been listening to me talk about this project for a year and a half. And um, so, yeah, I finally get to announce it, but it'll be out next year and we're super excited about it. Nice. Wait, next year? Next year, so 2024. Publishing takes a long time. And plus, since it is a graphic novel, like it's a 300 page graphic novel, it takes a long time for Tim Seeley to draw um, what is effectively like six panels on 300 pages. It's a lot of art. So we're going we're gonna to let him take his time. You think he's a slacker, don't you? 
That's <laughs> like the subtext to what you just said is he's a little lazy. And I don't know. Like no, I, I'm saying that's a lot right. of fucking art and he's really good. Okay. So 2024. I can't plan uh, three weeks from Pretty now, evil. but I'm glad you have something a year from now. So yeah, <laughs> it sounds like my, how I uh, have to, away from my converter it's like yes that will be available in one year it's like oh. i can't believe that seriously you should figure out who is selling catalytic converters on the black market and see if you can pick one you up can't, every well, every tow truck guy who has picked me up has said oh i know a guy down there who can do it like but it's kind of illegal in california california has this weird system where things have to be above board so if i didn't have a backup like a borrowed a car you know um if i didn't then i'd probably have to go that route it is totally you could like buy your own catalytic converter back you know what maybe i need maybe this needs to be my next script something to do with like that starts with the impetus of somebody losing the catalytic and then (laughs) tracing it and then and then maybe it's like bug horror where they plug the thing in you know it's an existence thing we'll we'll get there how did you know it's gone so like i've never okay so i got on a car and it sounded like the quietest car you've ever heard because it's a a prius and i started it and it sounded like the entire thing was going to explode so imagine a car without the exhaust pipe it's and it's all internal so suddenly it went from being this quiet thing to like and we were like oh my god so i'd like quickly get out because i didn't know what had happened and and that's the sign so then you find it so it's technically you're not allowed to drive them because they're so I was bad gonna for say, the environment so what would have happened if you just been like fuck it driving to work yeah if i'd done that it just you probably would get stopped by the cops it's so loud and and emits so much but you know you could go a mile or two but if you went, yeah, no. So people be on the lookout. I feel like I'm becoming the national spokesperson for the catalytic converter. Something I'd never even heard that term prior to somebody taking mine. But uh, it is a real punk ass crime because you screw somebody up pretty bad because their car becomes a paperweight, at least in California. Uh, and you don't get much out of it. It's like they don't really. I mean, somebody at the top is getting real money because you can get up to $20,000 from this mineral inside it. But the people on the low level who are stealing them is, are probably making a couple hundred bucks. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's crazy. But um, anyway. I'm sorry about your paperweight. I know. But you did get another car. So that's a plus. Yeah, it's just a sad little. It's going to sit in my drive looking sad. But, uh, you know, so it won't get in the way of me uh, going to a Bahama kind of country with somebody and then watching my double killed or something oh let's do that that. i I think okay so elric and i we've been hanging out at the movie theater a lot a couple of movies yeah so yeah we checked out infinity pool which i have to say we were really excited about because after we got into it we realized it's one percent horror we always love one percent horror. and and brandon Um, cronenberg who is you know i I, I truly think possessor is my favorite of the you know the last few years and each film's been really interesting, and and it's mm-hmm. cool when somebody's just making wild swing movies. These are all three of them, just completely different, completely wild swings. Definitely, you know, uh, somewhat in the vein of his father for sure, body horror wise. But this one, what I liked about this, seeing it a in a big movie theater, in a packed one in this case, and b I didn't see the trailer for this one, so mm-hmm. watching a movie where you truly couldn't tell what's going to happen five minutes from when you're watching. Like not at all. I had no clue what kind of, I couldn't even tell what kind of movie I was sitting down for. Cause you know, it's, it's you know, Skarsgård is with his wife and he's a writer and he's on some beautiful, you know, resort like white Lotus suddenly. And then before you know it, it becomes the one thing that I took away. Cause it's quite darkly funny. And obviously that will vary. It's like some audiences won't see that humor, but it reminded me quite a lot of what a Kafka story would be. And then modern heart, because it's often it starts to deal with the double and it's about the ego and it's about writers uh, and the death of the ego and the death of self. And so so it's dealing with very heady themes, but doing it in a way that is darkly funny and 
batshit just keeps getting wilder in terms of the performances and um, so I had a I had a really good time with this one. It's not as slick in in terms of perfection as something like Possessor, but it's a totally different you know swing. Yeah, I definitely think that I like Possessor better personally, just because I kind of like the devices that it was using, and I found Possessor to be more of a horror film. Like I've seen people making the argument that Infinity Pool, you know, there's parts of it that go horrific, but it's not exactly a horror film. It's more just kind of like a really um trippy weird sci-fi but that said and satire right one, like ben well yeah, it's satire. got a bit of ben well yeah. running through it too yeah it's got a strong satire yeah. vibe through it i would say um but there is so much of this that i was captivated by yeah. um and i it runs long i would usually get really bored and this one i did not i was pretty in the entire way through um mia goth was of course just electric in this movie she actually showed up at the screening we were at which was wild um Mia Goth and Brendan Cronenberg just kind of walked up on right before the show started mostly just laughing they were just laughing didn't have much to say but but um she's so fun to watch in movies this Mm -hmm. last few years because they're all so different and I don't really know who she is at all that's the interesting thing like I see these crazy roles and then in this one, when you hear a real voice, it's a pretty wild voice. And towards the end where she's uh, really taunting. Uh, James, James, James! James! I do think James, that's, big baby! It's one of the best. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but him walking in front of her car is one of my favorite things of the year because it's just so <laughs> bizarre and funny. And um, and especially for the writers out there, I think they'll enjoy uh, the novelists. The one-time novelists out there will enjoy it. And where this one goes at the end, like the final, well, not the final, final scene, but like where the finale hits, like it had like kill list vibes for me with like how kind of just weird and where it goes and how it's shot. And yeah, it's got, it's got a lot to it. Um, I don't know if this will end up making my top 10 list, but it definitely kept me amused for the entire like two hours and 20 minutes that we were watching. Yeah, it's one of the most original things this year. And it's, Mm -hmm. and again, some of the double stuff, which I didn't know the story was about, it's in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling it thing uh that that was really interesting just interesting it's just like oh okay it's the kind of movie i'll watch a second time and mm-hmm. i'll be curious to see what, what my spend i know what we saw was an nc-17 cut which is all they can put in theaters there will be an unrated thing and there'll probably be just a little bit more i'm assuming it's more nudity i was gonna say i think it's bill scarsgar's penis okay so probably, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure he's we watch naked <laughs> in large chunks of the film which isn't new for um, him because remember way yeah. back in um what's the tv show with the vampires true true blood he that's where he started true blood. started mm-hmm. on true blood so he was and this does them. have i mean it does have a lot of orgy scenes like yeah. some of it has been compared to kind of like society where it is these like one percent bored wealthy people having these orgies um and there is a lot of that in here so i wouldn't be surprised if the orgies push a little bit further too yeah i'm in for whatever uh brandon does next but i did want to say to uh the internet I, i'm sure i don't have to say this but the people who are saying wow his three film run is even better than his dad it's like um Please sit down. David Cronenberg has at least a seven film run that is unparalleled. So yes. Brandon still has some room to catch up. I don't I don't like to compare them. They don't them need to compare. They're they're great. I mean, yeah. Like you never want to be compared to a parent. And yeah. I think that as you know, I can only imagine what it's like following in the same career path as your parent, where that's what everybody immediately wants to do is be like, well, how does he level up to his dad? And that's got to. And I suck, think it's so. well, it was just one person in particular was very loud about this three. I'm like three film. Come on. Tell us when you've made 20. Like, mm-hmm. but uh, I think his um, sister and David Cronenberg's daughter is also making a horror film this year. So that wow. would be interesting. It's it looked she's an artist. Uh, it looked kind of I'm curious about it. Um, but then we also yeah. went to another movie. 
Yes. So we actually hosted the screening for this one, which was a blast with Brian Sauer from Pure Cinema joined us. And we hosted the screening of Knock at the Cabin, um, which we saw a week ago tonight. And that one, um, you know, I I loved this book so much. I absolutely loved Paul Tremblay's book. It definitely um, messed me up when I read it for the first time. And I find it to be really eye opening. The movie, I did not have that kind of same impact on me. It was good and there's a lot of good stuff in it that I'll talk about in a sec but I don't know if it's just because I already knew the story and knew what was going to happen I feel like with the book some of the things that you knew from the start that made it a compelling horror story you don't find out until the third act in the movie and they're preserved as like a twist as like the M. Night twist um so yeah it was the delivery and like the how the information was dispensed is definitely different. It's hard to, I mean, adapting books, no one, no one out there should expect (laughs) it to be a one for one because you just can't, it just doesn't work that way. When I read this, I thought it would be very difficult to make a movie out of it because it reads so well, one to one delivery, like me reading Mm -hmm. the book in my mind, the end of the world, the, the decisions having to made those consequences. It's a really, to me, it's a really fantastic read. And it's cerebral and you're seeing people's visions as well. And so you can't do that in a movie. Yeah. So it's different, but I, I I, forgetting the story adaptation, because I do think, you know, the book trumps on that level. Um, I do think in terms of directing, I think it's the best directing I've seen from M night in in maybe the last, you know, decade or so. I think it's just, I'll agree with that. Camera placement and actors and everything on that level is really solid so it's to me it's a very solid thriller it doesn't quite yeah like you i probably didn't quite get my blood rushing at the end or anything like that but it's so solidly made and dave batista just gives one of the best performances like that was my biggest takeaway i actually think that's what literally elric and i turned to each other and said as the credits were rolling was fucking dave batista was great in this like and i knew he could act beforehand like my kids watch you know i've seen him in a bajillion things he was in army of the dead which was uh, but he was great in it and then my kids watch this spy movie that he's in with like this little kid spy he's done a bunch of stuff that i really enjoy but this he plays a second grade teacher and there's no reference to his size he's not playing the tough guy he's not the badass he is just a second grade teacher and he leads the film. Like he is leading all of it. Yeah. They might not talk about his size, but his size makes such an impact because he's, he's not on a muscle shirt the way he is in glass onion or something. Yeah. In this, he's in a stuffed white shirt and tucked in pants and it makes him feel even like he's going to just burst out of it. There's something really, really well between his costume and the way he plays this character. It, it really was the highlight for me of the, of this film, but um, I definitely mm-hmm. think people should watch this one. I think it, it's dealing with some pretty interesting modern issues as well. And, you know, mistruth and how you, how you decide what you're going to, what information to listen to and what not to do. And um, so I think it, it feels very relevant, but yeah, I would still say the book is, you know, the Paul, Paul's book is always going to be its own thing. And that's the great thing about adaptations though. You haven't lost the book, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if people are upset with one, one adaptation going a different way, it's like they both exist. Yeah, Exactly. Um, So I'm going to keep going with my religious horror here. I watched Consecration. Um, This will be going to theaters the day this show releases. So Friday. Um, And this one is the new film from Chris Smith. And I love Chris Smith, British director. I've followed everything that he has done so far. This one was mixed for me. It was, um, I love, it's a religious horror, you know, crazy bloody nuns. And I was into it for that. The setup of it is this woman finds out that her dad was killed at a convent. Not only did he seemingly kill himself by jumping off a cliff, 
he killed a priest. They find a priest whose belly has been split open. And then a couple of paces away, they find her dad's body at the bottom of a cliff. So they think that he killed the priest and then killed himself. So this girl played by Jenna Malone, who's going to come up again later in this episode, travels to the convent to try to find out what's going on um, because she doesn't believe that her dad would ever kill anybody or kill himself. And then so it becomes kind of this murder mystery where she's tracking what's going on at the convent and that there is this stuff happening under um, under seedy underbelly of the convent. This is definitely a slow burn horror. I was very much going in hoping it was like the devils or dark waters where it's like, you know, crazy killer nuns at every turn. Mm-mm, this was real slow burn. The best part was Jenna Malone because she um, had no quandaries, uh, no problems whatsoever about cursing at the nuns. <laughs> so the nuns would very much be like, you know, oh, you know, praise be with you. And then she'd just be like, you go fuck yourself <laughs> and then just walk away. And that was kind of the best parts of it. Um, but yeah, it definitely goes there by the end, by the third act. It was like full religious horror. So yeah, this one should be opening in theaters. And I believe it is also going to shutter. I will double check that while uh you tell me what else you've been watching what's your favorite um, yeah. chris smith is it triangle probably triangle yeah, i like triangle I they're all yeah. he's got a number like black death creep. um yeah black death is great i, I really liked creep what's the one um, with the office workers in the woods killing each other that one's really severance severance that's really is good so yeah. good yeah. he's oh a my very gosh, interesting yeah. director um yeah okay well i saw one at sundance uh again the second one i I had paid for two at sundance and uh this one was australian horror film called run rabbit run um by dana reed and unfortunately it's basically like another australian babadook but without the monster it's all the same family drama of the babadook but you just take out the monster side it's uh sarah snook which was a part of why i watched it she's the i love sarah yeah the redhead from secession and Mm -hmm. which i didn't realize she was australian watching secession i had no idea so she's actually australian so this is her and her kind of native tongue um she's a fertility doctor and she has a young daughter whose birthday it is and we start her daughter starts acting kind of weird and almost possessed and we find out that when sarah snook was young her younger sister went missing and now the, her daughter is starting to act like she's possessed by that missing girl. And so there's some good stuff in here. There's some interesting set pieces and drama. But it, it's one of those things that the mood that it keeps building and promising, I didn't feel it ever got the big crazy payoff. Or or I was mm-hmm. always a couple steps ahead of the that kind of story it was. Like we've seen it, seen it before. But uh, I assume it will probably get a decent release at some point. But I wanted it to be a little spookier than it was. And that's Run, Rabbit, Run. Mm, okay i had heard tell of this mm. one so i'm glad you watched it um okay so now i'm gonna i'm gonna go for my um couple of flashbacks that i watched Ooh. this week okay so american cinematech which is one of our big theaters here in la is hosting this giallo screening last week of january of i know who killed me and i see all of our friends going like i couldn't that night that's the, the night i had class Um, But I see all of this hype about a lot of our friends on socials are going and, oh, my God, this movie is so great. This is such a good movie. It's an American giallo. And I'm reading all of this on Instagram going, I thought we all hated that. I don't remember it. Um, And so then I had to rewatch it. So I immediately procured myself a copy of I Know Who Killed Me and rewatched it. Now, this is since 2007. I would have watched this right when it came out. I have not seen it since. And all I remember it being is a fucking hot mess. So I was really excited to rewatch this one. Holy shit, this is still a hot mess, but it is such a fun hot mess. There is so much going on in this. 
it is just absolutely bonkers. So I ended up having a really good time with it. You could totally play this as an American Giallo because it has all the trappings of like sexual perversion and the double. Um, the whole setup of this is that Lindsay Lohan is um there's two Lindsay Lohans there's basically two versions of her and you are watching one who is a stripper who smokes and does drugs and really kind of controls men through sex it's how she seems to control the situation and she just lives like a really you know kind of streetwise life and then there's this other version of Lindsay Lohan um named Aubrey who is a senior in high school and writes poetry and murder mysteries and is headed to college in the fall and has this really cute boyfriend and is just like the most perfect student ever and one of them gets kidnapped and the other one starts experiencing things that they're going through and it is such kind of the giallo mental games that you would see in something like lizard in a woman's skin or even something like um uh crap uh, the palma twins uh, um, sisters yeah sisters thank you um it's got those notes to it. And it's still like, there's even a couple of scenes with like black gloves. It's very kind of colorful where one sister, the one, the Lindsay Lohan, who is the stripper is very much symbolized by red. And then Aubrey, the good girl is blue and you'll see them start to collide. And it's how you can tell which one you're looking at is the colors, the lighting behind them. This was so fun and it's weird. It just gets really weird with the imagery and what everybody remembers is the body parts falling off. Like there's a scene where Lindsay Lohan literally takes a glove off and all of her fingers start falling off and then she tries to sew them back on that is the scene that everybody remembers because it's pretty damn horrifying i do have to say like it still um really worked so this one i i mean i understand why people were kind of shocked by this in 2007 is i think this got like a pretty big release well i think it was i remember a big this disaster i mean i yeah. think it might have ended her career really in some ways because she was a hot yeah. it girl i saw this in new zealand at the film festival today it came out and the director was in new zealand for it because he must be mm -hmm. friends with aunt uh chris siebert i believe uh and I was like kind of excited. I didn't I, I don't think I would have been watching much Yalo there. So I don't know if I would have had the reference, but I remember the movie that came to mind was Boxing Helena, and mm -hmm. which is never a good movie to be like in some ways because it <laughs> doesn't really work and is kind of everything's dreamy and too much so, like without the through line. But 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 it, those movies often are much more fun years later, like to go back to than at the time. Yeah, like when we watched Boxing Helena a number of years ago, I remember you and I watched it right before um Texas Fright there one year. Uh, yeah. And it was a surprisingly fun movie. Yeah, yeah. On revisit, um, those movies can be yeah. really fun because at the time with expectations of box office, obviously they they no one wants that that weird. <laughs> unfortunately so that's what i remember like looking back on this and that's part of what i think happened i have i have two theories but um was that this was never intended to be like some major like you know mall near you like the new friday the 13th release size of like it's playing everywhere across america but because of Lindsay lohan's scope at the time i think that it did this like massive release and no one was prepared for how weird and arty that the director had made it um, the other thing that I think that we definitely had at the time was a love-hate relationship with some of these it girls. So this came out in 2007 
2005, just five years prior, we had Paris Hilton in House of Wax. And everyone hated that movie at the time period just because she was in it. Like we had grown to hate Paris Hilton so much, like this love hate of like, we're going to watch everything that she does, but we're aggravated by her. And I feel like we'd had kind of a similar run with Lindsay Lohan by this point. So by the time she stars in this movie, very much trying to, you know, bridge herself in a breakout role, going from the mean girls teen to something far more mature. I feel like we were set up to hate it long before it ever even came out just because it was Lindsay Lohan. Um, so yeah, it was a really fascinating rewatch. It's not a perfect movie, but goddamn, it was entertaining. It was really just a fun one. And the soundtrack, I didn't even remember the soundtrack being amazing, but I was really, um, I was into it. It's weird. It's just as weird as the movie, but it was doing something that I love. I dug. Yeah, I want to rewatch that one. I mean, I remember also looking a bit neon demonish, but like not as mm-hmm. slick, obviously. But but I remember it looking cool. So I would be curious. Um, lucky those people who got to watch that on film. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, I watched a couple indies. Um, one is called that's coming out this week. Uh, called Jethica, which is J E T H I C A. So it's meant to be uh, by Pete O's. And I didn't know the making of this, so I'm going to save that for the after part. But this is a an actress who I really like, Callie Hernandez. She is living in New Mexico. She's telling the story of how she once killed a man. That's that's what she starts off. She's in the back of a car, sleeping with some guy, and then says, hey, have I ever told you before I came to the city? I used to live in New Mexico. And then you go to New Mexico. And it's her uh, living very remotely. And this friend of hers this uh, drives by her and is very mysterious. And she starts talking about how she had to leave town because she had the stalker. And she starts telling the story of the stalker. And at some point they see some guy and she's like, that does, that looks just like your stalker that you showed me the videos of. And she's like, well, that can't be him. She's like, why can't that be him? And she opens the boot of her car and he's inside dead. And that's why she's been driving around because she's got a dead body in her car. Now this is all in the first that's few minutes. brilliant reveal. Yeah, it's pretty funny. But then it makes you go, well, who's that then? And she's like, you, have, I don't know. And then Kelly Hernandez is like, well, my, 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 I can't remember his mom or whatever, wasn't to like, you know, black magic stuff. And uh, there's a circle around our house that would cause spirits to come back. So, so you basically start opening up that the, the kind of core of the movie is them trying to figure out how do we get rid of a stalker? The ghost just can't, keeps coming back. But what's interesting is from then on, it becomes a comedy. So I was watching it going, oh, this is reminding me something I'm working. On. And then suddenly it became very comic in the treatment of the setup isn't. But then as soon as the ghost is there, he's still just kind of talking to himself, trying to fulfill his stalking promise. And you realize ghosts can harm other ghosts. And it's just kind of, it, it's light. It was kind of fun. It was only 70 minutes. Uh, I didn't like, like totally, it kind of went away from my interest as it was going. But I was like, this is pretty cool. Uh, the reason I wanted to bring it up uh, beyond the fact that's an interesting movie is I found out afterwards and Kelly Hernandez was in like the last alien and things like Matt, really big actor. I found out afterwards, this is a $10,000 feature that he shot with all these people. So, I mean, he had to have obviously known famous people willing to do like a, a, you know, the SAG ultra minimum, whatever it's called the, the micro budget, but um, you know, it's pretty. So when I found that out, it kind of changed how I looked back on it because I was like, Oh, okay, that's cool that you went out and were able to make a film uh in that way with you know some pretty interesting actors so look out for it because i think if you're into into indie inspiration that you might find some in jethica um jethica with a th yeah i think i was trying to figure out why the the girl who has the stalker her name is jessica and i'm pretty sure the guy stalking her kind of has a lisp and I think that's what it, that must be what it's in reference. He must be saying her name, Jethica, but I don't know because they never go out to say that. But that was my assumption. But but yeah, I think it, it's interesting. And again, it's only 70 minutes, which is a nice rarity in these modern times. 
Oh God, I love seventy-minute movies. No, it's, it's like, yeah. <laughs> especially if you only have ten grand, you know. I know it's nice. Okay, so this is another one of my retro flashback watches. This is what I had never watched. Oh, and Jeff Lieberman's going to come up on the show again in a second. But for now, um, so years ago, and I do mean years, like ten years ago, Jeff Lieberman came on Killer POV in person. And when he showed up in person in the Geek Nation studio to do our episode of Killer POV, he brought us all copies of Remote Control because Remote Control had never really been released to DVD and he was selling these like homemade copies of it at conventions. And so he brought us all copies. This was 10 years ago, popped it on my VH on my DVD shelf, never thought about it until a couple of days ago when something I was reading a book and it referenced um, and it wasn't even it was about more like um, 1980s culture and how it's shown on screen. And it said something like Jeffrey Lieberman's remote control. And then I was like, I don't think I've ever seen that. And so I grabbed that DVD, the homemade one that he had made off the shelf popped it in and decided to watch 1988's remote control. Um, this has a Dylan in it. This has Kevin Dillon in it. So I do not even know how this has not gotten a bigger release. It's got Jennifer Tilly too. Like it's got some name cast in it and it's really fucking fun. I just am confused how this has never had a bigger release than, you know, Jeffrey Lieberman selling these himself at conventions. Um, <laughs> that so might yeah, be the problem. But, he might have want the rights. He, and not put it he wants the rights so he can sell it at conventions. So this movie is set in a very like 80s electro synth vibe world like think like omd flock of seagulls level of like synth 80s world um and it's very much playing with a 1950s alien aesthetic so the setup of it is that this movie is coming out and it is taking over america and everybody is excited to see it and it is called remote control and the, they set up these standees that give out these signals. It's like a standee with like electronic signals in the middle of the vi video stores. And it's got this mirror that everybody's obsessed with looking at themselves in. And after you look into it, you become determined that you have to see the movie to the point where fights are breaking out in video stores over remote control the movie. And so the video stores are like, oh, my God, we got to get more copies. Kevin Dillon works in a video store. And um, they're like, we got to get more copies, man. This thing is just flying off the shelf. But what they soon realize is that everyone who starts the movie and the movie looks like a 1950s sci-fi film, everyone who starts the movie dies in some capacity or they go crazy and kill other people so that it's suddenly like oh my god the standee is infecting people and then when they watch the movie it makes them do these horrible acts it is such a fun movie way more than i was expecting jennifer tilly is an absolute blast in it um and it was just kind of a nice it's a very fictitious very 1980s electro synth version of a vhs store of a video rental store it's very hip and pointy um but it was just just a wonderful revisit of like early 1980s culture, video store, the the whole love of standees, like standees were a whole thing in video stores that we just don't have those as much anymore unless you're like in a movie theater. Um, so yeah, this was a trip. Have you seen Remote Control? I know I watched it when he, like right around then when he gave it to us, but half of what you just said, I was like, oh, I got to watch that one because I know his other films so well. That one. Yeah. I Yeah, I got to, I wonder if I have that disc still. Yeah, it was it was a trip. It was definitely unexpected. I was I was not expecting it to be as well put together as it was, but it's a very well made movie. 
Um, okay. Well, my, and I, oh. I wish you well finding this. It's not an easy one to find because he, uh, um, maybe you can find him at a convention. I'm sure you can find it somewhere, but yeah, it's, it's not an easy one. Yeah. That's always a, a real bummer. Um, yeah. cause he, I mean, he only has a handful of films and they're all good. I like all his yeah. movies. Um, though my last one today is, uh, a movie very anticipated, hotly anticipated out there. Uh, it is called Outwaters, um, directed mm-hmm. by Robbie Banfitch. And a lot of people are kind of talking about this in the same way we were kind of hearing about Skinamarink before it came out. And I would say this this falls for me somewhere between Skinamarink and Blair Witch. Like it's it's somewhere doing the pushing the envelope uh, formally in ways that Skinamarink, you know, obviously did, but in a in a non uh actorly way obviously uh but this okay so this is a found footage film uh where at the very start you learn that you are about to watch three or four cards so the the literal memory cards each one you're going to watch undiluted unedited um and basically you 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 get two brothers uh the guy who's filming everything who is also the director of the film and he is uh going to make a music video in the desert and, he, and you've got a singer and then you've got one girl who's flying in to help them do makeup and the four of them meet uh they kind of talk to his mom it's all very low-key like typical kind of setup but but done like very you know observational just a little life stuff before they get in the desert then they hit the desert they start setting up and up until probably let me just say if this movie was unlike skin and to me was too long for what it was uh this movie's almost two hours if this was 20 minutes maybe 30 minutes tighter it would be like one of those things we'd talk about forever. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's in that league of found footage where it goes, it's, but it's a little too long for that. But even so I'm not going to, that's just a, a minor criticism. Cause that could still be trimmed. Uh, it's fucking wild because at a certain point I'm like, okay, all right, where's this going? And then one night they start hearing thud, thud, thud. There's a couple earthquakes in the opening scenes back in LA and then they get into the desert and, and I think the two things will be connected somewhat, but um, they start hearing this thud and they just, don't understand what it is and never really see and you keep the cape you know it's kind of off-putting and then the next day there's some like weird bees to that they have to deal with but as it starts to grow i'm not going to tell say too much but what i didn't know going into this movie is that it's a cosmic horror film oh now you've got me so this goes i've no i've got to say i don't think i've ever seen the found footage film do this i've seen non-found footage films kind of deal with this and it deals with the madness the hallucinations the bloody visions the what am i looking at and there's some there's a little bit of creature payoff that's i won't go deep into that i don't want to run it but when it starts going there it becomes really interesting and hypnotic and i, I like I, I still don't know how to rate it like like is that and skin rink it's, it's rare that i walk out of movies where i don't even know where to place it but i know i was more excited about this one personally because there's images in this that i found like really got under my skin and, and stayed with me you know what what i wrote down after i watched it was like it's like a two hours in the scene and nope where the creature's mashing up on all the people it's like you're in that uh-huh. mashup for like an hour and a half of, of the movie it feels like you're in that zone um but it's got a tagline we all die in the dark i look i think this could do really well i think i know they're going to be playing in theaters and they're and you know uh, i'm not sure if this one's Screenbox tv but i think it might be um or wherever it's going to land at the end it's you know, I think this is something, you know, again, it might be a little long, like Skinnerink was for some viewers, and it might, you know, take them out for for the kind of film it is, but it really does go there and delivers something that I haven't quite seen before. It uses kind of a tiny hole uh, light 
Um, so it's like you're looking at a flashlight, but it's smaller than just a flashlight. And so there's times where the whole screen's black and you're looking at almost a pinprick of light at things, which makes for quite, I mean, I'm watching it on a computer. So, uh, but I still found it to be quite eerie and, um, you know, but, but yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. I think if for found footage lovers, um, you know, it really is doing something a little different once it gets going. So I think you might need to check it out. But yeah, when it went, when I realized there was a Cosmic Horror film, which I didn't know going in, I had no clue what kind of film it was going to be, that made for, and, and that's not a spoiler because Cosmic Horror can mean so many different things, right? Uh, it, it's, I found that to be very intriguing as it went. So Outwaters uh, definitely gets a, a wreck from me. Well, now my next one is the greatest transition ever in the history of the show. Um, So I am closing out this segment with a cosmic bug horror book that I read. Um, So this is going to carry us nicely from Elric's Outwaters cosmic horror film into our next segment. Um, So this is a novella. And this novella um, was literally sent to me by somebody else who said, this feels like something you need to direct because it was a cosmic bug horror. Um, and yeah, so it it was a fun read. It would be a very expensive project, but it was a super fun read. And this is The Worm and His Kings by author Haley Piper. Hmm. Um, and the setup for this is it is um, a homeless woman living in the subway tunnels under New York City, the abandoned subway tunnels. And homeless people have been going missing. This monster kind of comes out of the woodwork every night and seems to be carrying people off. And they believe that there is some type of cult taking people um, and they don't really know what. And she kind of decides because her partner, um, her her wife was taken. And and so she decides that she is going to kind of follow the creature that she's going to snoop and follow the creature to wherever it goes as it's taking somebody Hmm. and so one night she finds it and she follows the creature as it's taking people and it goes down and she follows it deep deep down into the tunnels and that's where i'll stop where it ends up this gets so fucking cosmic so cosmic like god cult ending of the world otherworldly dimensional transporting yeah this is a dawn of time type cosmic level Mm -hmm. i had a blast with this it's bonkers um it is kind of um it starts running and it does not stop and it goes places that i definitely wasn't expecting and it gets really weird but i loved every minute of this one and it is this kind of beautiful combination of bugs and um or where it ends up going with the god and which you can tell from the name is worm affiliated. Um, so where it goes with the worm and then the cosmic horror as well, it really works. So that is the worm and his kings by Haley Piper. All right. Well, that's yeah. That's a nice smorgasbord of horror to get people started. Yeah. Hopefully they swallowed it. Excellent. A quick note from our sponsor, and then we will be back with filmmaker Carter Smith. Tonight's episode of Colors of the Dark is brought to you by Athletic Greens and their nutrition drink, AG1, a product that Elric and I have been taking every day. After months of being in quarantine, Elric and I both wanted to improve our health in the new year. So we decided to try Athletic Greens. It's a health supplement that actually tastes great and really boosts your energy. Plus, it's from New Zealand, which Elric loves. So what is AG1? Uh, With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, all those things. 
I started taking mine daily right before my breakfast um, and before I started in with the coffee. So it became this thing that I was looking forward to as soon as I got up in the morning. It lets me know that I'm getting the nutrients I need. And after trying to choke down an assortment of homemade kale and quinoa smoothies I was making, I gotta say, the taste of this is great. It's got this wonderful lemon flavor. And it's lifestyle friendly, whether you are keto, vegan, dairy-free, paleo, or gluten-free. As you guys know, I have crazy food allergies, and it is free from all of the eight major allergens, which I was really impressed with. AG1, it's a small micro habit with big benefits, and it costs less than $3 a day, so way cheaper than the cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. I take it like 30 minutes before coffee, and it actually has given me a little boost of energy, which has been great. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash C-O-T-D. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash C-O-T-D to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back. We are here with somebody that I have been trying to get on the show literally for years. I've been threatening to bring on the amazing Carter Smith, who is with us now. You know him from the ruins and an amazing new film called Swallowed that I'm super excited to talk about. You guys heard me talk about it already because I loved it coming out of um, Fantasia. So welcome, Carter. It's been way too damn long to get you on. So Yeah, yeah, you've been in my ears for a long time. So I'm happy to finally be here. I love that. I like to think that I'm just there all the time, just Years, talking always. continuously. Yeah, just, just me, just me blabbing. Um, so I'm going to start back at the beginning. So, cause I've been so just into your career because you share my obsession with bug horror and mm-hmm. I'm going to go all the way back to bug crush. And yeah. I would love to hear about, um, how you kind of, I know you used to be a photographer. How did you transition into making films and tell us a little bit about bug crush? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I am a, or I guess I was a fashion photographer, I still take pictures sometimes, but that was kind of what I was doing full time. And I'd always wanted to make films and fashion photography had just sort of taken off in a way that was like undeniable and like, okay, I'm not going to say no to this (laughs) type of opportunity. Um, And the jobs kept getting bigger and better. And like 10 years in, I was like, I've haven't made a movie like I haven't made a short film like I haven't like that, that's what I want to do like the, the photography was kind of a a sidetrack and and I you know read the short story that it's based on by Scott Trey Levin uh in there's an anthology called Queer Fear or I think it was Queer Fear 2 um and I read the short story and like immediately was fell in love with it and was like that this is my short film like this is a hundred percent what I need to make as my first feature or my first short film um and like started adapting it and like rallied a crew of friends and you know family around to go and film it in Maine and um you know luckily I had I had come in from the world of photography and stills like I had all these relationships with people that I worked with like production designers and costume designers and hair and makeup and like all all these kind of great 
collaborators that I'd been working with. And um, yeah, so we just, we, we shot it in Maine and, and, you know, I paid for it myself and I figured like, okay, there's going to be like 35 people that see this movie and, you know, it's weird and dark and like, you know, and just, it just so happened that the, when we finished it, it was like, okay, what festival is coming? I wasn't even smart enough to like really like target festivals. It was like, oh, there's a, you know, there's a deadline for Sundance. We'll send it there. Um, and then it went and we won best short and it was kind of the best case scenario, (laughs) you know? Awesome. So wait, have you always been into bugs or was this just kind of something that clicked? I mean, you know, the the more than the bugs in that story, it was more like the the weird dark relationship mm-hmm. between the two boys. Like yeah. that's what I was was drawn to. But of course, I mean, I love anything um, that sort of is a little bit backwards and a little bit like. I mean, I I do like a, a kind of a bug type reality based horror more than some other types. Um, you know, I like the fact that like in Bug Crush, like a hundred percent those bugs could be real. Like, yeah. you know, they, you know, I mean, you know, it's like licking a toad in Brazilian, you know, rainforest. Like it, it, it's, it's like a half a step away from, from reality. Yeah. It's crazy enough that it could be real. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Were you that a has- movie kid? Like, were you like us, like a crazy video store kid or how did, how did yeah. your, so you found love yeah. in the same way, 80s video store. Oh, I mean, 80s yeah. video store, you know, that like all the same I won't even go into it. It's like same story that I'm sure you've heard a hundred thousand times before. You so know, there was a punk who gave you anything you wanted. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I did have a I did have a dance mom. Like my little sister took ballet classes, and there was this dance mom that would see me every week at the when we would go to pick her up, and she'd see me with my horror movies, and she was like, "Oh, you like horror? Okay." And then I'm gonna bring you something next week. And the next week, she brought me a VHS of The Brood, and. I was like maybe 12 or 13. Wow. And like, that was when I was like, okay. That's perfect though, because it's a family film. It's, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is, it is one of those movies that's made from such, and I see it in your work too. It's made from such honesty, pain, and there's so much autobiography in the brood, but it's, it's yeah. in under genre. And it's, and that's yeah. like the best stuff, like the stuff that's mm-hmm. simmering is always very yeah. exciting. Elric has this, um, he had this t-shirt on. We went to see a movie last, what did we see last Saturday? I can't, oh, we saw Knock at, some, knock oh, at knock the, the Cabin. cabin yeah. We saw Knock at the Cabin. And he was wearing um, this t-shirt and he had like a hoodie on over it. And all I could see was the center of it. And I was like, do you have a giant vagina on your shirt? And then he opened it up and it was literally like the brood as a drawing. Ooh, nice. But, like, but, but I, I should have opened it up like she does. Like where she does. Yeah, like, yeah. But the center of it, it just looked like a big <laughs> vagina. And then I suddenly realized that you know her final end pose it's made to look like a giant vagina yeah. and i just had this t-shirt realization while we yep. were watching that so. it, it was like Anyways. it's also pink so it throws everyone off <laughs> yeah it does i hope you don't teach in that because it seriously did look like you just had a giant vagina on your shirt um but it, it works well so. we're gonna i, I want to jump ahead to one because it was kind of a this will surprise you because i haven't really talked about this i, I told becca about this because i didn't actually put necessarily you and this movie together but uh this summer i was casting some thing and one of the actresses i looked up was in a movie so i was like oh, okay i'll check out what she's done and i watched jamie marks is dead and and really honestly it was one of the best films i saw that year and and, oh, nice. and i had never even heard of it and i'm yeah. a genre guy like i was like 
how does this yeah it went a little under the radar though. no but it's it's a it, this is kind of it reminds me of i know it's based on a book but it reminds me of what we're saying about brood it feel it has a real aesthetic to it like the bodies and the the sweat and the glance and the relationships complicated so so you, you know it's got themes of a gay relationship but it also has themes of just friendships that maybe sometimes are more one-sided uh sexually and there was just so many layers to it as well as being hard it had a couple similarities to the thing i was working on i was a little shocked because i was like oh weird there's another movie out there that has this kind of <laughs> idea but I, I thought it was for people listening it's it's a terrific film and sometimes in that category it's not like straight horror <laughs> and it's not straight drama it's interested in the yeah. spooky things but from real pain or real emotion yeah it's a lo- like a lot of people have found it now that it's on shutter i uh, mean before it was on it showed up on shutter like nobody watched it yeah <laughs> you know it was like it, it was it was really like i mean it's one of those things where like you know we premiered at sundance it was like great and then you know it kind of disappeared who uh, who is the actress uh madison oh amazing yeah, yeah. She, she's she's yeah, really yeah. and i love what she, there a lot of them are like stuck in these interesting loops in your film yeah. like, but it's for those listening it's it is a ghost story but it's just treated differently than traditional ghost stories and it's about a young boy is murdered and he literally comes back to try to uh, find love from all the pain that his life was with this other kid that kind of kind of noticed him in one of his last days. And it's I know I found it to be really touching and I didn't put it together as like with you, like at the time when I was watching, I just didn't know who had made this film. And I realized, oh, of course. I've seen. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. he was telling me about this amazing movie that I needed to see. And I was like, you know, that's Carter, right? He's got yeah. swallowed coming out. And yeah, then we, we he put the dots. So which is always very but, cool. This is an exciting yeah. way to do these things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, but we are here tonight to mostly talk about swallowed because this is one that um, I think I, I think you may have sent me a link, but I remember it was right around the time that we were both playing Fantasia. Yeah. And I was so angry i couldn't see it at fantasia because it was play- like fantasia goes on for a month no one realizes how long it is um yeah. and so you'll go for three days while your film's playing but then you don't get to see any of the others you so. never see any filmmakers yeah. or other films no. and I, and so I also it- think those could double feature because they both start in bathroom stalls and i was like come on guys yes. let's get these two films together <laughs> Yeah, that's what Elric's first response was. This could be a double with yours. And I was like, that would have been an amazing yeah. double feature. We totally should have toured the country like that. Um, but yeah, give us the log yes. line for Swallowed. Like, what did you shop it around as? Uh, I mean, I guess I, I mean, first of all, I didn't shop it around. I mean, like, it kind of wasn't shopped around. It was something that was. I, you know, I wrote and 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 kind of it wasn't to make with a couple of friends in the woods, um, but it, it's about two best friends on their on their last night together uh, before one of them uh, is about to move to L.A. to be a porn star and everything that goes wrong after they agreed to deliver a package over the border uh, into Canada. And it's also about how Jenna Malone is aging into the most interesting actress on Earth. Yeah, like seriously, yeah. She, every movie she does now, I'm like, oh, you're getting wilder and wilder, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. So, this one, I was not expecting it to go kind of as I can't say it's ex- not extreme horror, but it's extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and kind of how extremely uncomfortable it gets. Like, how did you cast this? Because as he said, Jenna Malone was so fascinating in this, but even like. Um, your and I don't know how to describe him without ruining it, but I'll say one of your characters who wears a really awesome fringe jacket who comes in later and things Mark like Patton. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, how did you go about casting and explaining to the actors some of the very extreme things they were going to have to do? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was all on the page. It was all on the script, you know, first of all. And, you know, I made sure that in writing the script, like I actually 
wrote, you know, the the main character of Benjamin, like I made sure that it was very clear in the script that he was like naked for the last 40 minutes of the movie. And, you know, even though he didn't end up being naked for the last 40 minutes of the movie, I was like, okay, an actor that's going to get scared away by that is not going to be the right actor. Um, and I think that like part of the, the intimacy, you know, because it's not, I mean, it's, it's incredibly intimate, but it's also not sexual mm-hmm. and it's sort of, it's, it's, it's based in, you know, trying to save someone. And um, I mean, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about like what that sequence, you know, was, was going to be like and how we were going to shoot it and what we were going to see and what we weren't going to see. And, um, but everybody was on board, you know, everybody was a hundred percent in, you know, luckily enough. Well, it's a fun. It's fun when you can put a spin on the the drug mule angle, like what people are, like. We've all seen a movie where somebody has to swallow a some sort of drug substance. Now, at what point of the story did you know that was the bug or the creature would be a component to this, or did it start as like a straight crime relationship? Oh no, it started. It started with them swallowing that. Okay, you know that that, that was a hundred percent. Like, because I, you know, I had so many people had asked me about doing a feature uh, version of Bug Crush mm-hmm. and. I mean, I, you know, I am in love. I mean, I love that as a short film. I, it was, it, it did everything I needed it to do. It was like, I'm so happy with it. It didn't need to be a feature. Like I kind of felt like, okay, I don't want to make the same film again. Um, but I did like the idea of that world and that like that, you know, that backwards main sort of world where like someone has figured out how to monetize this stuff and like, you know, and, and what would happen, you know, 15 years later or however many years later, like what would that story be? That's um, yeah, that was intense. So how did you go about creating the bugs? Cause it's clearly like some type of an animatronic or it's moving, it's moving yeah. and it, it's really, um, it's really effective. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're, yeah, they're, it's all practical. Um, I had gone to the Overlook film festival just mm-hmm. as a, like a fan, just to go see movies. I didn't have a film there or anything. And at the closing night, like I was alone. I didn't know anybody. At the closing night party, I'm like totally forcing myself to go. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to talk to like two or three people. And like across the room, I saw someone. I was like, I'm going to talk to him. He looks friendly. He's not talking to anybody. And it was Dan Martin, mm-hmm. who is the special effects artist who, you know, Possessor and Infinity Pool and, you know, all kinds of amazing films. And we hit it off and spent the whole night talking about films and about filmmaking and and stayed in touch and you know i sent him the script and he's like yeah i could probably i could do this you know as long as as long as you can figure out how to make them work we'll do a zoom and we'll teach you how to do animatronics and you know and that's what we did wow oh my gosh and then having to have them function inside of the baggies that's like a whole nother like was that difficult there was many a rig there was yeah it was not i mean because also you know the, our, our crew was tiny you know mm-hmm. we had you know it was like there was eight of us and so was it shot know, during we, the pandemic or per, yeah okay yeah Make- we shot in the summer of 2021 mm-hmm. i think yeah um but like whoever wasn't holding the camera was like working the bugs you know like there was because it, it took like six hands or seven hands like you know to do all the different movements Wow. And (laughs) was this shot in Maine? Did you like head back um, to Maine to shoot? Yeah, we shot in Maine. Like, you know, it was like that camp where it takes place is Mm -hmm. a camp that my dad built when I was in junior high. And like that, 
like the the club where they start out at is actually like the general store on the island where i live and like jenna malone's white jeep is like my white jeep huh. like I, you know i writing the script i was i literally wrote on cards everything that i had and it was like okay i can only write things that are appear on these cards <laughs> That you know, is such a smart way. That's how I tell my students, because all of my students at USC, they go to USC thinking they're going to yeah. be the next Spielberg and they write their hundred million dollar movie while they're there. And I'm like, uh, uh-uh. think of the one yeah. that you can shoot in your parents' kitchen yeah. with these five friends. And this, you know, take stock of what you have. And then that's what you write to. Yeah. Ulrich just finished his write what you have, um, write to what you have. Nice. Features, yeah, so, but sometimes yeah. you don't quite go to what you have, and you realize, oops, <laughs> making yeah, it a lot harder so on yourself. A little, a little something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, talk, let's talk about the Mark Patton character a little bit. Just like, uh, w- was this a character that you, not just the actor, but like, is this a character you knew, or is it a character you like think about in terms of like a, a different kind of crime? You know, I wouldn't call him a crime <laughs> lord. It seems like an in betweener. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, he's kind of a crime yeah. lord in his head. He's a crime yeah, lord. Yeah. I mean, I. I liked the idea. I think that as a gay guy, especially if you're young, you run into a certain type of predatory older Hmm. (laughs) and often. Um, And so there was a bit of that. Uh, And then I had seen um, uh, the doc scream queen and, and just like had kind of become fascinated with him. Like, you know, not not Mark Patton from Nightmare on Elm Street 2, but like Mark Patton, the actor, like the, mm-hmm. you know, the guy that the documentary was about. So I I wrote it with him in mind and, you know, figured, OK, you know, I'll send it to him and try to see if I can make it work. And I DM'd him on Instagram mm. and that's and wow. that's how I got him. Like he, he thought I was bullshitting, like he didn't believe me that I was a real film. And I was like, no, it's a real film. Like we're actually going to make it. And and, you know, eventually he was kind of wooed and and. Um, came on board. I got to tell you, I did not even make the connection that that was him um, until you just said it, until you were like Nightmare 2. And then I was like, oh shit, that's him. Like, I just thought you had found this amazing actor for this role that was, because he feels so natural in it. Like, not the predatory part, but like the kind of glamour of it. Yeah, the the, the swagger and the sort of, you know, the showmanship of it. I did not even realize that was Mark. Patton from Queer Horror Royalty. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is that is crazy. Um, well, I, I mean, that's the thing that crossed my mind just after while I was watching Swallowed was like gay representation really like in the last two weeks. Like this is just from my perspective. I'm just watching movies. I, I saw I'm watching TV. I see The Last of Us episode three yeah. that everyone's talking about that fall, they fall in love. But, you know, we're, we're watching like, you know, a charted romanticized romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. Then Knock at the Cabin uh, where where you know, front and center, the mainstream, yeah. big mainstream release. Uh, I just watched last night uh, one that's coming out this weekend, which is a, a really fantastic um, found footage film called The Outwaters, where the lead character, it, like really a very yeah. interesting movie. And then I watched Swallowed, like all in a row. And again, yes. we don't want to we don't want to suddenly make people think that this is actually uh, what representation really is right now, because clearly uh, that's kind of a fluke. To, but it was kind of remarkable because they're also also different movies and very different representations. And I just wondered if that's obviously it's, you know, something you've been working at your whole career from the movies I've seen. Um, how do you see how do you think it's been changing in the you know just the last couple of years? Um, I mean, I think that the thing that's interesting, the thing that I wanted to do more than anything was just make a film that was like where it didn't have to be about the characters being gay. Yeah. Like that the, you know, of course, there, you know, th- that's a big part of who 
those characters are, but that's not necessarily what the story is about. It's mm-hmm. not it's not hanging on some like angsty coming out story or coming to terms with yourself or like you know the main character of Swallowed he's gay and he's and he's moving to LA to be a porn star, but like he doesn't have any problem with it. Like so, I I think it's interesting to to you know kind of avoid the cliches of like oh you know the can't be best friend or the first one to die or the you know where it's just like that's who these characters are and it it, it's sort of a secondary to the story well Um, that seemed to be also knock at the cabin right like it seemed to be like yeah these are this could be any any kind of couple yeah this is just a couple and it feels like if enough movies do this then it does become something that your average person yeah it's just part of life but i mean i I think we're getting there slowly but surely hopefully yeah um, I'm gonna double back now. We are so not going chronologically tonight. But you're going to one of your I'll... favorites, I know. I am. I, I've always it. wanted to have him on the show so I could talk the ruins. Um, yeah, I nice. have vivid memories when the ruins came out because it came out. It was probably like April. I remember uh-huh. when it April did 4th. the after April. Okay, I there don't we know go. Why I remember um, that, but I do. I only remember it was April because we took um, one of my friends for her birthday. And I remember that it was like right around April Fool's Day that we went and we went to the Chelsea um, in Chelsea, the the uh-huh. one that used to be above the guitar shop. I lived in yep. Chelsea yep. forever. Um, and I remember going there and it was like April Fool's Day. So, yeah, I have always loved this movie so much. And it's one of those where it felt so huge at the time um so where did you guys shoot that like what was there like an actual temple that you built for that we built a temple yeah we built the temple in australia and and um you know in the middle of nowhere in the middle of a field built a temple with all of our production offices inside and like an elevator to take us up to the top and uh grant major was the production designer who had just come off of lord of the rings um and Darius Kanji shot it. And oh wow! Like, cool. It was it was it was a pretty spectacular uh, first film <laughs> to make, yeah. you know. And so different I than re- the other films for, around that oh time. Like it was only lumped in because it's young people, it. right? A lot of young people yeah. and a young lot of people. On but it was very different yeah. than the I know what you did last yeah. summers and stuff because it was like body the horror. Teristas, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We um, came out like six months after Teristas, which I think uh, hurt us a lot. You know. Oh uh, no, Teristas. I mean, Teristas actually, I did not mind, but there was a whole bunch of what I'll call like young people tourism movies. Like I remember yeah. Donkey Punch came out around that yeah. same time, and yeah. yeah. Um, but this one, yeah, it was doing something so different. And I rewatched it last week in prepping for this show. And the thing that I noticed, and this is such like a filmmaker thing, 90% of the movie is outside and yeah. no one realizes what a bitch that is to film. Yeah. Um, so Especially in the ask. winter in Australia when the sun goes down at 4.15. Yeah. Oh my god. We lost our daylight behind a mountain every day at 4.15. It was So insane. what time did you have to start in the mornings? I mean, we would be ready to start when the sun came up at like 6.45 or something, I think it was. So were um, you just like painting your actors in sunblock every day? Uh, and the crew, I'd guess. Yeah, there were, yeah, were some. But like up on the top of that ruin, like, you know, that was the part that was outside. And, you know, for the most part, while we were shooting, we were, everything was, was, or not everything, but a lot of it was 360. So up on that, up on that top of that ruin, there was only ever maybe like a couple of people when we were shooting as much as possible. It was just the actors, the camera operator, you know, the DP and I, and like just whoever, you know, there wasn't like there was a whole crew. So it was kind of like this weird, intimate thing. Um, but yeah, tons of sunscreen, tons of, you know, backlight, like backlight is easy to match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, it was early on. We were like, let's just lots of backlight. 
Lots of backlight. How tough was that uh, in terms of a leap? Yeah, I mean, you just used the word intimate, which isn't, you know, watching it feels big. But from your yeah. short to that, how much of a learning curve or was your photography, because you're doing fashion photography, so it's a slightly bigger cruise. Was that a help in making that yeah. leap? Okay. Yeah, because I because also I was working with like, I was working with advertising clients and I was working on advertising campaigns. And so I was used to going into rooms and 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 sort of giving presentations and sort of dealing with, you know, the fashion world's version of an exec, you know, like mm -hmm. advertising agency and clients and, you know, sort of managing crews that that were, you know, I mean, nothing like the size of, of the ruins, but like, you know, a lot bigger than Swallowed, you know. And that, so that came in really handy. And it also came in really handy with dealing with, you know, sort of studio exec stuff. Mm. What, so yeah. let's talk. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just, I'm always curious what, what, what couldn't you have prepared yourself for going from the short mm -hmm. to a feature like that? Like, like had Swallowed be, been in between, that might make sense, right? In terms of most yeah. people's experience. But to, to go yeah, from that to that, I'm curious if there was something that was a big learning curve. Yeah. Even if it's just the actors mm -hmm. or cast. I, yeah, I mean, I think that the, you know, it was only the second film I'd ever made. Yeah. And so it was only the second time that I'd ever worked with actors, yeah. really, you know? And so that was the, and, and, you know, of course I had Jonathan Tucker and Jenna Malone and Laura Ramsey and Sean Ashmore and like, who are all so good. So I was just so excited to like play, you know, with this weird messed up emotional stuff that was happening. Um, you know, there was definitely like, pinch myself moments where it's like you know looking down from the top and it's like a sea of motorhomes and catering and you know, like all of that kind of the scale of it was super crazy um but i you know i, I kind of didn't I, I tried not to let that get in the my head too much mm -hmm. you know wow. well let's talk about plants um because when i rewatched yeah. it i was Honestly, like I rewatch a lot of films from like that mid 2000s and it's always like suddenly the digital that I thought looked really cool at the time just doesn't look as cool yeah. now. How, how did the ruins hold up for you? It held up so well. And that's why I was like, okay, so were parts of the plants practical? I mean, the part where it's like twiddling its tongue, its plant tongue and making the cell phone sound, I assume that was digital, but yeah. it held up so well. So Good. what parts of the vines, like in the skin, what was practical and what was digital? Um, the stamens of the flowers, when they're talking, the ones that vibrate to make the sound, those were digital. Mm -hmm. Um, but the petals were, were practical. All of the, all of the leaves and all of the, you know, the sort of the flocked with, you know, the, the actual vines, whenever you see them moving on the ground, that was all like fish wire and, wow. and, you know, as practical as much as possible. Some of the under the skin stuff was practical and some was digital. Like when it was moving a lot, it was probably more digital, but the, you know, when there was lumps of it, you know, it was, it was practical. Oh it was God. kind of a, it was kind of a good blend. I mean, I, I, you know, I think maybe that's why it holds up as well as it does because it wasn't, you know, cause that early 2000s digital was not. No, it quite... is not forgiving now, especially <laughs> yeah, now yeah. that I'm watching it on like a 40 television yeah. and, you know, with these fancy Blu-rays and everything, it's not forgiving yeah. about a lot of the 13 films. ghosts, it's... Becca, 13, 13 ghosts. ghosts. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Um, thank you for reminding yeah. me of that. But yeah, no, this one held up and I still found myself cringing during the skin moments, um, which is something that I, I, you always have these cringy moments in your movie, which reminds me of my like deep woods Appalachian upbringing. Cause as soon as I see those, the vines in the skin, it immediately reminds me of 
um, berry bugs or uh, chiggers is I think yeah. what they're kind yeah, of yeah. commonly yep. called or ticks or leeches and all of the fun of stuff that I grew yeah. up with. So yep. yeah. And it just all comes like rushing back right there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, excellent. Well, shall we talk some of our fave bug horrors? Yeah. I mean, I'm curious what you got. I'm Becca being bug lady. I can't compete on this topic. So I, I have a couple yeah. that I love, but I really do actually want to hear what you guys are. It, I'm going to start with why bugs? Like I'm intrigued here. So like why, what is um kind of your attraction now that you've used them and even the skin crawling vine stuff? Yeah. Like what is, is it kind of like a, a general love of body horror or what is it for you that kind of makes you gravitate towards these? I think it goes of, back to, yeah. to what you just said about it, stuff under the chiggers and like the stuff yeah. under the skin and the, and the, the fact that it's like, it's real, you know, yeah. like it's not, it's, you know, ticks are, disgusting and they attach onto you and they fill up with blood and like it's a hundred percent real and once you've had them like there's no sort of escaping how much that makes your skin crawl i've had um, to explain that to people where ticks um and i mean I, it's not a good thing both my parents had lyme disease my dad still has problems from it um both of our dogs had lyme disease like yeah. i don't know how i escaped it um, but that said, like the, the, the prolificness of ticks in the area is not so much a good thing, but like, I have to warn people before they go to my home that it is something that is going to happen. Like it is, yeah. they are just so thick where I live in Virginia that like it, you take one step, even just past a bush, you're going to get a tick on you. Yeah. Um, and you just kind of get used to it and, you know, there's procedures that you do and things like that. But then when we were shooting glorious, actually somebody got a tick on them. Um, when we were out shooting the exterior of the trucks of the, the rest stop. And I mean, they turned white and it, like, like I thought they yeah, were going to pass creepy. out and it was on their shin. And I was like, Oh, that's not even a bad place. Like I've had them in my ears before that. Yeah, like, like, get, get them in your groin. Like, oh, you yeah. know, once you've had them down they there, go it's there. Like, that's yeah. like, if you got shorts, that's where they go. Cause they go towards yeah. the heat. It just sucks. But yeah, yeah. like I, I had one in my ear that still haunts me. Yeah. Um, Wait, can I so, for, yeah. for clarification, is this the same thing as a gnat or is a gnat different than a toad? No. What is what does a gnat do? Yeah, a gnat is like a little insect that flies around like and just doesn't even bite. Oh, you. okay. So yeah. they're, okay, they're a harmless. A tick is like a little hard bodied thing that's teeny tiny and it, it, like because it like almost looks like a tiny little crab um crab. Yeah, tiny though. And then it attaches to you, and then it as it sucks your blood it fills up like a balloon and gets bigger yeah. and bigger and bigger and bigger so, so sometimes depending on when you notice once you have it you know it can be really big and full of blood yeah yeah like some yeah. of the ones that i remember finding on the dogs when i was a kid were like the size of a quarter hmm. um yeah. and they were like wood ticks they get huge yeah. when they fill up with blood but usually like because they'll start real tiny you don't notice it until they're like a big swollen brown lump on your skin and it's freaky but then like you you take a match or a lighter or we used to have these like you would take little a twig yeah. yeah little scoopers and or tweezers you can do tweezers and yep. nail polish and it cuts yep. off their air supply and and then they'll back out sometimes sometimes they don't sometimes you have to squeeze it to get the head out it's absolutely disgusting oh, um man. but yeah it's just like a fact of life where i'm from what well, i think yeah, same thing in maine yeah i was thinking i was thinking about this because i i don't know why a bug i always think about you and go, i understand spiders because that's very clear they they feel different than when we just talk about bugs but um i was thinking like for horror it's like when we die these things are literally gonna feast on us mm -hmm. like literally they're right. gonna hang out they're gonna enjoy our body our remains and i'm like yeah that's pretty fucking creepy i guess that's a good reason to have a strange relationship to bugs you know, I think I've told this story maybe back on killer POV but it's it definitely was a big defining 
moment for me is I remember because I grew up on the the Shenandoah River and we have leeches not everywhere like it's not like you jump in the water and they're like on you but sometimes if you're playing by the riverbanks they tend to be in muddy areas so if you're like in the muddy silt you might get one and I remember being a kid and having one and it being like I, I had like a bikini on at the time and it was stuck to my side um of my stomach and I remember leaving it there for like 10 minutes and just watching it, like watch it before I went and told my dad, because I was so fascinated by it. Um, And then with leeches, you can basically just kind of like brush them off. Like they they don't- Wait, 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 you can brush them off? I thought you had to burn these things. I've seen enough- No, that's ticks. That's ticks. ticks. Really? In movies, I'm sure you burn off leeches too. (laughs) They have a slight amount of suction, but leeches don't. um, Whereas ticks literally like put their head inside your blood vessels. Mm. Leeches, it's just like a suction thing. surface thing. Yeah. Yeah. And leeches, they they make this like, it's like a Y-shaped incision and they actually use some type of anticoagulant. Like I remember it bleeding afterwards. And then I- I had this tiny little like weird like y-shaped incision for a couple of days afterwards um but i remember just being so fascinated by it to the point where like i didn't tell my dad for a good 10 minutes so that i was yeah. like i should probably tell my dad um, i want you to get a leech least... tattoo right where it happened i think that'd be the coolest <laughs> cool. thing ever <laughs> becca's leech tattoo <laughs> But yeah, and I mean, I look back through my life and so many, like the scar that I have here is from a brown recluse and Mm. it's in the middle of my face and it's going to be with me till the day I die. Um, Yeah, it's (laughs) so many of my horrors from childhood are bug stuff, but it just became a fascination simultaneously. So what are your, what are some of your favorite? Well, Carter, yeah. before first, because you said yeah. you shot in Australia and uh, the ruins. Yeah. And so in Australia, I always tell people because New Zealand, and Australia, are not the same. Right. And a lot of people think right. they are. But New Zealand in Australia, every single thing is designed to kill the, the birds, <laughs> the animal, every, every insect, everything can kill like anything. In New Zealand, it's all yeah. just a bunch of singing birds. Uh, Don't you have wettas? Aren't they like the size of like a yeah, damn but they're like not, guinea pig? They're not pig? dangerous or anything. Wettas are weird looking, but they're not dangerous. But like, but aren't they huge? Like, do you get those in your big. house? No, I've seen them in the house. But like, I was in uh, my sister's place in Brisbane one time, like outside of Brisbane, and I was just sitting there, and out of the window came, you know, much bigger than my hand, a br- whatever the brown, like the normal spider there. Hitting the ground, huntsman, the huntsman, yeah, huntsman and it spider ran yeah. across the thing, and I, I, I literally couldn't move when I what as I watched it go. So I wondered if you had any insect like during that shoot. Uh, there, I mean, there was like one or two mornings when there was one like I don't remember what kind of snake it was, but it was like a twenty-four foot snake <laughs> that was across the dirt road that we took into the location, yeah. and it was you know because we'd be, we'd be going in at like five fifteen in the morning or you know super early. And there was a couple times when we had to wait for something like that, but like there wasn't any, no one, no one got bit, no one got like you know there wasn't any any dire, yeah, nothing uh, terrifying, no, no, nothing. I mean, there was terrifying things, but like not like nothing horrific happened. Yeah, okay, good. Luckily, <laughs> ah, <laughs> that is, um, yeah, that I've seen those giant huntsman videos. I've seen ones where parasites burst out of the giant huntsman spiders, where they get infested with other oh. stuff. Ooh. Those things like legit, actually, I have to, I've talked about it on the show before that the one bug that truly freaks me out still that I have not like come to like some type of happy symbiotic relationship with is centipedes. Yeah. Um, Cause my apartment in New York city was infested with. Them. Oh, I remember you talked about that before. On an yeah. Episode. Like yeah. it was, I, I would have been grateful for roaches. Probably not. I say that now. Um, But oh, yeah. Centipedes like, are worse. 
Uh, yeah, think. like most people in New York City, they don't even call like there's roaches, but then in New York City you have water bugs, which are like yeah, the hamster-sized giant. cockroaches that crawl out of your bathtub. And um they're they're relatively common enough that I don't think that anybody in New York City has never had a water bug before. Right. Um, but yeah, the centipede thing, like they were huge and everywhere. And I later found out that probably meant that there was like a water leak somewhere in the building. Mm. But um, yeah, it was I still have not come to terms with those because those fucked me up while I was there. Um, so anyways, I'm diving in on some of our favorite bug horse. I will start with my deep cut. There is a, is it Thai? I got to look it up. Movie called Centipede Horror. Um, and this is, it's like just this ultimate Asian horror film where it's got like black magic and sorcery and some weird Kung Fu and people getting cursed. But when they get cursed, they vomit up live centipedes that then proceed to eat their face. And these are not like the centipedes that we have here. The ones that are like white and relatively small and kind of just quick and a lot of legs. Um, these are like the, um, like the Vietnamese centipedes where they are like a foot long and if they bite you like it'll genuinely fuck up your shit um and so yeah this is a deep cut i think i had to find a bootleg copy of this i'm gonna kick us off though with centipede horror or it might be centipede terror i gotta look at the exact translation (laughs) centipede something when i I say the word bug do you guys consider spiders bug like the word bug is weird to me like I know insects, but there's all these like bug has like how many meanings does that word have? Like insect, insect to bug yeah. someone to annoy them to. Well, there's also like a, true you know, bug. infection or like yeah. a you know, yeah, like you're sick. Sickness. It's yeah. so weird. Like to you're me sick. Yeah, how that word. Oh, so actual insects. There's insects, and then there's what they call. This is like my one year of entomology school yeah. coming out. There's insects, but then there's also what they call true bugs, which tend to be kind of like a type of beetle. Uh-huh. Um, and this is 20 years ago. I did one year of entomology before I switched um but yeah i remember that it was very much like uh, all all bugs are insects but not all insects are bugs okay so okay for this conversation Uh, then we'll be general (laughs) yeah well because one of my favorites is not i guess they're not even bugs i love slugs oh Oh my god slugs this movie yeah not not really bugs but like truly scarring and like you know that that scene when they are in the bed trying to have sex and you know the, the shit goes down and she ends up on the floor and he ends up trying to leap to the window like it's insane it's so bad mine yeah. was the restaurant scene because yeah. you see her slicing yes. the salad and then they eat the salad and then he's having drinks and like the whatever the, the parasite is from the slug starts coming out of his nose while he's eating oh god yes. it's awful from and the director of reason- pieces right so it definitely yes. delivers it has those same set yeah. pieces it's really good I always liked this one because it's so it's it's better than you think it's going to be. Yeah. That's what I always find myself telling people is like slugs. It's better than you think it's going to be. Like I mean, because it's, it's kind of jaws. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like we have to we can't open the shopping mall. You have to open the shopping mall. Like no, the slugs are there. You know, it's, it's yeah, and and just all of those close ups. I mean, yeah. that's another thing. Like like a lot of the bug stuff. Like all you need to do is cut in some close ups of real slugs. And, you know, or like in squirm real bugs. And it's like, oh, that's that's horrific. Yeah, you actually had squirm. I had squirm on my list because when I first saw that, again, worms aren't scary. They're kind of gross and weird looking, but they're not scary. They don't do much to you. But when you see that many of them and then you start Mm -hmm. learning how they're making this movie with literally thousands of these things that they're what electrocuting somehow electrocuting to make them move. Yeah. Is that how they were making them squirm? That's what he said, something like that. Like, there's some power voltage thing 
which obviously wouldn't play today, but it was which is kind of the, what happens in the film, like a business, yeah. like an electric shock. That's what gets that's how they yeah. kill him at the end. Yeah, no, and I remember when we had Jeff Lieberman on the show, like. 10 years ago, he said something to the extent of, I am going to die with the souls of a thousand earthworms on my conscience. And yeah, because they did kill all those poor worms. But I I want the rights to that movie. Like those earthworms haunting Jeff Lieberman in the afterlife. That's a terrifying fucking movie. That's (laughs) That's an amazing movie. all these ghost worms. Ghost worm. Ghost worm. Ghost worm. worm. Sorry, ghost worm. Much better. I love it. But it is a really, it's it's a movie that shouldn't be as good as it is when you read about it. I think a lot of people probably dismiss it. But it's actually one of those films that's above just being an exploitation film in it. And you kind of get a sense of the town and the people. And there's something quite desperate and disturbing when they start getting attacked by these uh worms i think so yeah that's a good one that's 76 it's from yeah and i will correct myself it was um centipede horror or centipede curse um hong kong from 1981 it's worth the day well all that that um, entire black magic horror cycle from um hong kong you'll see almost all of them if somebody puts a curse on you, one of the things will be like spewing up bugs or spe- and there's some mm-hmm. really grotesque scenes in those. Even the yeah. most fun Hong Kong, you know, movies suddenly will have a couple scenes that are almost too much because of that the bug obsession. Did you realize that Rick Baker did the makeup effects in Squirm? No, I did not. No, Thank no. you, Wikipedia. That's really um, yeah. Now I got to confirm no. that because it's Wikipedia. No, it's I don't trust it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's kind of amazing. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, I will take us. Um, oh, did we get one of yours, Carter? Um, I mean, I said slugs. Yeah, he does. Okay, let's see here. And Elric gave us squirm. Let me go with. Okay, I'm gonna say this one. It's not your standard bug movie, but I still like how much it gets into kind of how bugs um, perform. And that is Mimic from 1997. This one, it doesn't function like a true bug horror because usually when it's a true bug horror, it's always about the small being in such large masses that they're overpowering you. Like there's one tarantula isn't going to fuck up your shit, but thousands and then it gets scary. Um, This one's a little bit different because it is using, you know, a handful of giant bugs. But I always really like this movie because one, it's just a well-made movie, but it also is really leaning in um to kind of the bug biology of it of how you have to use pheromones and how they're talking to each other and how they're calling each other and you know evolution and things like that so i always really like this movie and it's- i even i even like mimic too i swear is a decent yeah. movie it's worth a watch <laughs> i don't think i did mimic too but it's also rare that to get any of these kind of movies with big budgets big studio mm-hmm. films basically yeah. i mean i'm sure to Guillermo that wasn't huge back then but but yeah the sound in that was what creeped me i watched it again for the first time recently and i was like oh yeah kind of felt the same it didn't all completely work for me but it's so interesting it's such a strange movie and the sound of the creature when it's down there is is pretty creepy yeah Yeah. sound works so well with bugs even like in in slugs like the sound that the slugs make because i just rewatched it it was like you know it's this horrific sound it just makes you you know sure that there's one on the floor next to your foot (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i oh go ahead I was gonna say the like the low rent version of Mimic is. Have you seen Blue Monkey? Oh, love also, Blue also Monkey. On my list here. I love Blue Monkey. Oh. So good. Well, she introduced <laughs> me to Blue Monkey. I like yeah. that one a lot. I mean, it's kind of a similar like you know, it's a similar thing where they use you know the sound and they have that recorder and they're trying to like convince it that it's its mate and like I mean I, for the life of me, I don't know why it's called Blue Monkey. Yeah, I, I think it had a different name initially. Like I know, I know if you saw old posters, it must have been named something else. The Blue Monkey. 
It starts with a plant in that one. I know I Googled this at some point. I know I went down a rabbit hole to try to figure out why it was called Blue Monkey at some point. And now I'm going to have to go back. While you look, I'll read the tagline because I did think it's one of the best. I like Steve Railsback, too. So it's kind of connect exploitation, but it has such a good tag. Somebody needs to redo the tag, which is they breed, they hatch, they kill. Maybe it's just a phase they're going through. <laughs> Blue monkey. That is a good title. <laughs> like it's so playful. I, I miss yeah. when things were playful, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm not finding why it's titled that again. So I'm going to have to dig into this because yeah, I, I remember know nothing about a monkey. I had no. solved the, the question once before. Oh, you know what? It's I coming back I to me. Had. It's been years. I remember now. I think one of the kids, I think there's these ki- four kids who are all like yeah. in the hospital. I think one of them turns and says something like, is it a blue monkey or, or has a blue monkey like on a shirt? It's something so throwaway yeah. that it uh, makes no the, sense that the, I the know, ones that they send in the, in the air ducts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you and I went down this rabbit yeah, yeah. hole. No, like it's, it came ago, back to so. me. As talking, something like yeah. that. But, it, but it's uh, for people looking for more of um like, yeah, it's a good comparison to mimic because it's the playful mm-hmm. version because it is still a giant bug flying at you, but it's fun how it grows. It goes from, a yeah. cut infected from some plant and then it, the person goes to the hospital and everything just keeps kind of growing which is always fun it births out of that guy's mouth yeah. that old man yeah that, oh that yeah first scene, yeah that, that was so good larva yeah oh my gosh yeah um okay so i'm gonna go with the nest from 1988 so this one it's very this is a campy one um which you'll find a lot of bug horror definitely kind of goes more campy but this one feels simultaneously campy but it's really trying to be as squirmy and uncomfortable and cringy as possible and this is roaches so you're gonna like actually see like live roaches crawling out of people's ears and everything um yeah this one i i remember first seeing this when i was starting out at feng and living in New York City. And it reminded me so much. So we have this amazing phenomenon in New York City where um, right before thunderstorms, when the pressure drops, all of the roaches will start pouring out of the storm vents Mm. and like the subway storm vents and like the, the sewers on the street. So you'll just see like dozens of roaches just pouring out and it's like a pressure change thing. And I remember kind of a thinking of it in that sense where you are just seeing this outpouring of like super large roaches and the nest does it well. I still, I don't think I've is seen that, it. One. I, I don't think I've seen it either. Is it, is it the, um, based on the book? The, that is a, the I paperbacks think it from has to be. I'm yeah, it has to be. Right? It up. Yeah, it has to be because they're both about roaches. Yeah. Roach, um, yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah like based the on the 1980 yeah. novel. Yeah. This one was produced by Julie Corman. Hmm. Okay. I've seen yeah. images from this one that look really creepy and I just have never seen. It. I think part of it, one of these was filmed in the Brady house. There's a scene in the uh, Brady bunch house where somebody's got a bunch of, she's in the kitchen and she has a bunch of bugs on her. I don't know if it's this one, but it's, I know it's famous that there's one really horrific scene shot in the Brady bunch house. So. Well, this one um, is they use tooth. I'm sorry. I am reading off Wikipedia. Now they use 2000 flying cockroaches. Um, and this one was shot in Venice. Um, but yeah, I, this one I always enjoyed because it is trying to do something a little bit different. It does have some campiness to it, but it is also trying to be uh, pretty scary. Well, probably most of us first, our first <laughs> bug contact, at least with movies, at least for me, I don't know about you, was Creep Show. You know, mm-hmm. that, that segment in the first Creep Show was yeah. the one that at the time, I think I liked that one the least when I was young because, you know, it's the least showy. But as you get older, that one's really effective. Uh, yeah. and, and I guess it's also responsible for uh, those real cockroaches getting out in that town in Pittsburgh or wherever they shot because the crew <laughs> leaves them behind, which is a little terrifying. But uh, but there is a lot such a long history of, you know, people people being scared of bugs in, in cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yeah, yeah. The, 
One of the ones that always gets me is phase four because they're using real ants and they look like real ants and they're like crawling all over people and into that guy's hand. And that one was one that it's not the scariest bug horror that you're ever going to see, but it is creepy because you're looking at but knowing that they're using the real ants is thousands of real ants. I have a feeling that would freak me out. Like the ants, it, 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 that would bother me. Yeah. Have you guys seen the swarm? Yes, the long French one. I have on not. Oh, it's, oh, it's oh, not the, the new one. Yes, no. the grasshopper thing. The or grasshoppers are yeah, cicadas. Uh, uh, cicadas. Yeah, um, yeah. She's cicadas, breeding them cicadas. as like she's, food. She's breeding them as food. I liked for, that yeah. movie. Oh no, I haven't yeah. seen that one. I've seen the old bee one called the Swarm. I think. It's, yeah, it's, I've... it's like a it's like a weird like sort of dour. It's almost like a Bruno Dumont movie oh. or something. But then she's like. I mean, you know, kind of in this like depressed French town and, you know, this mother that's struggling to, you know, keep food on the table and sort of provide for her kids and, you know, raising these bugs in these tents in the backyard. And it's it's kind of good. I, I enjoyed yeah. it. I liked that one a lot. I talked yeah. about that on Deep Cuts probably a year and a half ago. Um, yeah. But yeah, I really liked because it is very much like a family drama, a very bleak family drama yeah. with this bugs. And then it goes like full horror in the third act. I think I'm not really reality based, like totally reality based. Like I, mm-hmm. I buy all everything that happens in that movie. I kind of believe yeah. I was just going to say, you idea- had me at Bruno Dumont, but I think I'm alone in that response. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm in. No, I'm like- no, no, no. Yeah, you Honestly, like it. <laughs> if you'd said Bruno Dumont to begin with, I don't know if I would have watched the film. Yeah. Um, but, but that's it's not really Bruno Dumont, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like you know, downbeat sort of that, and- that sort of yeah. downbeat, small town France, you know, yeah. rural. So I have to also give a major plug to Creepers, um, just because when I first watched Creepers, probably way too young. I mean, my parents didn't restrict me, so I was probably like 10 watching Creepers. I wanted that ability so bad. I wanted to be like, moth, a light, a light on my finger, come sit on my hand. And I thought it was so cool that she could control insects. Like, that is a superpower I wanted. For people who weren't born uh, pre-86, it's also called Phenomena now but you know oh. by showing our age because we were all creeper kids don't worry i was yeah. one too we had a poster it was on creepers. the vhs tape uh, but yeah, yeah. I, spiders what do i i just like prompt you guys with spiders because one of my favorite movies i really has become one of my favorite kind of exploitation movies um, from the 70s is kingdom of spiders and it's mm-hmm. and i think it's the scale the, the way it keeps i mean it uses real spiders and a mixture but the way it keeps scaling as the movie goes to a point where you really feel i mean it's a william shatner movie which could have hit or miss but in this case he's really great in it and it's arizona and there's a big fair coming to town and, and just by the end it's one of the few big scale kind of reveals that i buy i b- believe everything mm-hmm. i watch in that one um but for you guys are, are spiders something i know you're not scared of spiders becca because you have spiders but uh, how do you feel about spiders carter i mean i'm not really like i the deadly blessing spider freaked me out uh, oh yeah like the, that that's sort of the most bit, like core you know frightened that i've ever been of spiders but like you know other than that like i'm not like a, I, I could kind of i can i can i can live with spiders can coexist <laughs> i can coexist and, and some spiders still do freak me out like the scene from something wicked this way comes mm. where he pulls back the sheet and they're all in his bed like that will forever fuck me up um yeah. there's a scene is it in it's not the beyond where it's eating somebody's lip like it pulls their face off it's a it's a fulci movie yeah, and i can't remember which very one slowly on them yeah. yeah they move very slowly and they crawl up and i it might be the beyond i the can't beyond has tons one. of them i can't remember if that's the lip bite but if that's the one yeah but you know those scenes still affect me even though that i own tarantulas and even still i have my moments because like we have giant wolf spiders here in los angeles so occasionally you know you'll find one at the 
corner of your ceiling. And I'm still like, we need to relocate you right now, sir. Um, And there are tarantulas that there is no way in hell I will own. I own the nice sweet ones that really don't bite and aren't that effective at, you know, biting their they're more kind at of like ki- at yeah. death at killing. <laughs> yeah, they're not the, the type that I love. There's so there's like new world and old world tarantulas. And it's basically like which hemisphere they originate from. And any of the ones that are like Mexico, Costa Rica, even our Californian tarantulas, they don't really bite that much. Like it's their last resort. Um, instead, they kick butt hair. They have these like <laughs> little pointy butt hairs. And if they get pissed off at you, they'll literally kind of smack them with their back legs. And it's supposed to, if you're a bird, it flies up in your face or I've had them on my arm before they itch. That's about the most of it. That's not um, a cinematic but... or scary, you know, butt it hair, <laughs> butt hair, butt hair, butt hair no. in your face. But literally that's what they do. And then you'll see this little bald patch back there and you're like, who pissed you off princess buttercup? And <laughs> Yeah, like that's the extent. Is it like a one-shot thing where they only get to do their butt hair thing once and then they're... Oh, they can... Like there was a stretch when we first got her um, when she was not comfortable being handled and she had like little bald patches all over her butt and then she got used to it and she quit kicking butt hair at us. Um, But never once tried to bite. Like that's just not... They're, they have to be really pissed off to bite. But yeah. then there's like really pretty ones, um, like the baboon tarantula. I find it's beautiful, but they're pissy. Um, and so I would never own one. Or blue bottle is the one that like the, there's this beautiful blue tarantula that's like legendary for being gorgeous, but just really pissed off all the time and they bite. Um, so those are the ones that they still freak me out. Like I'll go look at them at bug shows and be like, oh, you're so pretty. But yeah, I, I won't handle them. So, um, but yeah, I still, I love spider movies. It's still like arachnophobia haunted me as a child. Um, and I think I'm still very much into my, my spider movies of all types. So even eight legged freaks, which I just saw for the first time this year. Um, it's so fun. I don't know why I never watched it. I'm going to guess. Bad. bad. I rewatched, um, and it was like, I made a night of it. I, I rewatched the movie Evolution. I don't even know if you guys remember that, the David Duchovny movie, which was surprisingly a fun rewatch. And then I wa- followed it up with Eight-Legged Freaks. And they're both right around the same time period with like giant CGI monsters, but they both were surprisingly fun and held up. So, Sadistic yeah, Becca double, double for those That's movies. It. <laughs> classic um so i have to give a shout out to ticks as well on the yeah obviously yeah Yeah. um i mean that doesn't affect me like on the same level that like the tiny ticks do for some reason i find a giant one to be Uh, less um less confrontational than the little ones i got in my ear um but yeah i still love that movie just because it's so fun and that's um k and b doing the effects so yeah they're just beautiful giant ticks but like and... there's so many of the ticks and the uh, slugs and like blue monkey and mosquito, like they're all kind of in the same, you know, that same little window. They all mm-hmm. came out within like three or four years of each other and they're all kind of similar in tone and they're all kind of a little campy, a little fun, yeah. a little gory, a little, you know, they're great. That was the beautiful early 90s. I remember yeah. that there was a stretch where I went to the video store and it was Ticks and this one called Mansquito. And I rented them both. And I think that Mansquito. was that was another like night of movies at my house was Ticks versus Mansquito, um, which I have no recollection of Mansquito, but Ticks was a gem. They sure don't look easy to that now is, is like, I watched Squirm on Tubi and then just kind of let it unroll and just watch whatever it suggested next. And so it was like, 
you know, it was squirm and then it was slugs and then it was ticks and then it was mosquito. It was like on and on and on. It was great. Yeah. My, my tubies ruined forever. Cause I had to watch a couple of Bigfoot movies there. And now it's like, who knew there was like 30 like movies on Bigfoot in the last few years made for $2. Me. They're all on there. I have that. Sa- I have that same Tubi. Like I had for the, for three years Tubi thought I only wanted to watch. Bigfoot yeah. Movies. It's, it's wild. And there's a couple good, I saw exist there. I, I hadn't seen exist and it's, it's really fun. Uh, that's what I started oh, out with. Too. So we both it, got that's, on that's the same level. It, yeah, that's what made it think. <laughs> I don't think I've seen a Bigfoot movie outside of like Harry and the Henderson. Hey, you're lost. So oh, I really? have a full subgenre to find. Oh, there's some good this stuff. is exciting. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I've, I I watched Willow Creek. That was one. Uh, the the Bobcat Goldthwait one. Yeah. one. Yeah. That's I think the extent of my Bigfoot movie. So I have much to learn here. Uh, Carter, what other kind of um like what what are some other kind of horror subgenres or, or films that you're you're just still excited to try to dip your toe into at some point not necessarily next but are there things kind of worlds that you're super interested in um yeah i mean i you know i always get drawn back to body stuff Mm -hmm. and sort of infection stuff Mm -hmm. and intimate relationship stuff yeah you know whether that is you know something that happens around drinking blood or if that's you know like there's there's so as long as like it's personal and it's intimate in a way that that kind of um you know where where the threat or the horror is not necessarily coming from like outside like to me those are the kind of stories that i keep getting drawn back to again and again yeah which um, can be any subgenre really like that's the thing you can always go to any sub- and then bring it back to the body yeah i mean i want to i want to make a bigfoot movie i want to make a vampire movie yeah. i want to make like you know an alien movie i want to make a you know there's all kinds of i want to see your intimate bigfoot movie yeah. <laughs> I want to see how you like ground the Bigfoot story. But yeah, they are interesting because they're they're you do go through them and you go, okay, most of them are dumb, but occasionally you find something that finds a way to use it in the right way in an interesting way. I think it was called Sasquatch from the seventies. It was like one of the ones that feels like a docu realism. Yeah, the yeah, and and it's and after That's a while in the theater, I think yeah, after yeah. a while you start to kind of believe and you kind of get into the rhythm of it and it feels more like news really. Give yep. me a movie that will make me take Bigfoot seriously, because I really struggle with this. I don't know so if there is, is one that will take you seriously, but... Uh... <laughs> I need to find the serious, scary Bigfoot movie that is make me going to view him in the same way that I would like a werewolf. I want somebody to make, basically, it's dressed to kill, but every time it's the killer, it's Bigfoot. So it's like fashion, <laughs> New York, high class hooker, but it's Bigfoot. Yeah. Bigfoot. Uh, I, I'll have to look at my list. I had some. I don't think any of them. Well, exists work pretty well. Like there's parts. Exists is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, the characters aren't often what the problem is. Like most movies, right? The characters feel secondary. They don't feel that interesting. Mm-hmm. And then when they're being killed, you don't care as much. But that one at least went something somewhere very interesting about because it opens with teenagers that found footage they run over something at night and they don't know what it is and as the story unfolds we start to realize it's probably like the bigfoot's child or you know wife or whatever it was and you start so it becomes basically a revenge film from the bigfoot's perspective and it's got a couple moments i thought were very effective yeah um but it is hard to find ones where the entire film's good unfortunately yeah i mean there's some good bigfoot stuff in primal rage uh, primal rage yeah some That's really cool fun. like home alone yeah but primal yeah rage. Now that one, the creature looked amazing. I, I was shocked yeah, the, how well the creature was done. Because he's a he's a creature designer, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. director, right? Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's what he put it all into. But I had a a story from the Inquirer, like one of those newspapers, yeah. about a a logger that was being kept as a Bigfoot sex slave <laughs> in the you know and escaped, 
and then had decided to go back and live with his Bigfoot lover and leave his wife behind. Oh yeah, you gotta um, adapt that. Like, yeah, that's it's been I'm on my. Sure, it was Bigfoot or not just like a burly dude. Like, and he got <laughs> Big confused. Barry. They call him Big Barry, but they Big yeah, Barry. Yeah. I understand. We'll have to the wait to see the movie to find out. Yeah, he's from Manitoba. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that, no, those stories are. It's you no. Know, I don't know. People. Oh, I know the one. Uh, it's the one where the where the guy gets his dick ripped off the motorbiker. That's the one. Night oh, of the yeah. Demon. That's um, the movie. Night of the, Night the Demon. Demon. Night of the okay. Demon is one of the most entertaining things I've ever seen. That and Shriek of the Mutilate is pretty good too. Um, but they're not necessarily like you know classy pictures. But they are the the way the creature looks in that one when they finally get to it at the end and you realize it's like a mating thing that people have had to bring a young woman to it to mate with it every few years and you're like oh god and it's really kind of. You know, it's it's just interesting part of American pop lore. I think it's kind of like yet yeah. Nessie hasn't had as many good movies in Scotland, but I think yeah. we need some Nessie films. <laughs> I feel like I need to have a Bigfoot summer. Like yeah. I may, it's not hot girl summer. I'm going to have big, Bigfoot, Bigfoot summer. Yeah. Um, Tubi's got your back. Year, <laughs> yeah, Tubi's Tubi. got me covered. I never thought Tubi would like be like give Netflix a run for its money, but I found I'm watching Tubi more than anything now, which is shocking because there's yeah. so many films that I'm just like, oh, it's two bucks on Amazon. Wait, free on Tubi. Okay. Yeah. Um, and ads. so much some weird stuff that I found there. Like they just a deep cutty stuff that I'm like, wow. Um, but last summer when we were driving around in the camper, we actually passed a sign. It may have been in Willow Creek, California. Um, we passed a sign for the Bigfoot Museum. Oh. And my kids were immediately like, let's go, mom, let's go. And there was a reason like we were due back in a day or I had to get back for a meeting or something that I was like, we're not stopping. Oh, and then they cruel. done. I oh, know, bad, I know. Mom. It's terrible, mom. That's terrible. Because I did the same thing where they really wanted to go to the Mothman Museum which is in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And it was like three hours off of the path that we had already predetermined. And I was like, I'm not driving three hours to the Mothman Museum now. And now this summer, it's like our main place that we're going is we're like, whatever happens, we're going to end at the Mothman Museum. So <laughs> there dream it is. big. It's crypto summer is where it's going. I'm going to hit all my Bigfoot movies. So. Um, but we better not forget, because if we forget, we're going to feel stupid. But where is Swallowed? Like, how are people going to find? Because yeah. we we obviously just watched Screeners prior to this. Yeah, yeah. But how do people find Swallowed? Uh, they will look on, you know, places like Amazon and iTunes and places where you rent and buy movies. Okay. So it's not exclusive Excellent. to any one place. It's not exclusive okay, anywhere, cool. you, know, right. at, you know, at the moment. it's It's sort of widely of it or will be widely available hopefully yeah and i think it, it has a good crossover to it like to crime films too because it has like mm -hmm. the structure yeah. of a crime film and i always love that for whatever reason i've always loved the story where the person wakes up with an organ thing or where somebody's for some reason those stories can be done so many different ways wakes up with an organ thing well you know they have the yeah. sign on or them saying without, without, an, without organ. an organ they're in ice water you know it's shorthand yeah. becca it's <laughs> oh i know you got that organ thing they're an organ <laughs> I don't know. No, no. I want that to be the sign. Instead of it saying, like, I've taken your kidney yeah. and you need to get to the hospital now. I wanted to say, you got an organ you got thing. An organ and thing. that's all it says. Uh, so. But you don't have the organ thing in yours. But you, you do have some great swallowing. And I also, I think, uh, I, I like that you also have the links to the adult film industry. And there's mm -hmm. something just like, you know, we know Ty West is kind of doing that with Maxine. And uh, I like, you know, Starlet. There's, I think there's always something interesting about the the glamour of that. And I like the way you use it. I don't want to give it away. But there's a there's an element of that. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the, you know, the bugs, you know, would come in pretty handy in the adult industry. Yeah, <laughs> definitely spice things up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Cardi, thank you 
so joining us and it's it's been too long so thank you so much plus i got to talk about my favorite subgenre so just a good yes, night all thank around you so much for having me yeah and like and, congrats on the film and like i said also for people we were talking about jamie mark uh jamie marks is dead is on shutter uh i assume the runs is just kind of everywhere at this point yeah i think it's on hbo at the moment yeah and i and yeah, yeah. bug crush it bug crush is bug on crush amazon is, right uh yes as part of like a boy's life six compilation or something see i um, i was trying to see it and i didn't realize that's because i said when i clicked on just your, that movie it wasn't showing on amazon and then when i searched it generally as part of an anthology and i was like oh so i'm gonna watch that one after yeah i think you can buy it like on its own you can okay. you can you can you can get just the one but yeah cool yeah, I think I paid like a dollar ninety nine because I didn't watch it as a compilation. I watched it solo, but it was like a buck yeah. ninety nine. It was worth it. Watch it. Yeah, no, really cool. Yeah, but like I said, it's always fun when you stumble upon a movie that you knew nothing about and it really, you know, gets you and you yeah. so just want to make sure people know about it. Yay. Oh, Thank you guys so much for listening tonight. You can also support us on Patreon on our show Deep Cuts, where we are doing all types of completely weird stuff, weird movies that we happen upon. Um, and we we just covered a whole bunch of really deep cut giallos for January. Um, so head on over there. You get two extra episodes a month for five dollars. Thank you all so much. We'll be back in two weeks. The Colors of the Dark podcast is a Fangoria production. Producers and co-hosts are Rebecca McKendry and Elric Kane. Executive producers are Tara Ainsley and Abby Gould. Associate producer is Jessica Soff of Amir. Sonic branding by Michael Rodriguez. And, of course, our amazing sound engineer, Ernie Hurtado. 